What's up, what's up, everyone? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room on NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's my co-host, Harrison Sanford. In this episode, we're joined by former Philadelphia Eagle, Chris Long, shares championship vibes. We also get a chance to answer some of the questions in our mailbag. Let's get into it. What are the similarities between Danny's Philadelphia 76ers and Chris Long's Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles? He'll answer that question in a bit in our next segment. But before we do that, Danny, I have some questions in the mailbag. And I also wanted to point out a new trend that I'm seeing with the Sixers broadcast. Uh, as we are recording this year, leading the NBA in three-pointers made in the corner. And you'll probably, if everything goes according to plan, you'll probably finish uh, the season leading the league in three-pointers from the corner. So they've now dubbed that area where you're apparently you're doing the Danny Green cut, which you and I know is really the Charlie Ward cut. Uh, they're now dubbing that area Greenhouse. What do you think? Not bad, man. Um, listen, I can't take credit for the Charlie Ward cut, and I'm sure it was before some people before that, but I also learned that fake backdoor cut from some guys that I've played with and against. Um, you know, I've been able to get loose. You know, obviously, Joel Crete and double teams, uh, but – I like to call it, you know, I don't really move much in our offense. And, you know, it's people, you know, get to your home. I put DG phone home, that corner, that little red area, that's home for me. But the greenhouse is not a bad one. DG phone home. I kind of like that one. I've been trying to find um, a GIF on Twitter, something along the lines of, I want my corners. You know, like a, a little, that, yeah, I, I can't, I need to make a GIF, like, and kind of use it from like the wire or something like that. Well, I'll figure it out. But, but before we get to Chris Long, uh, let me get to at least one question out the mailbag. I want to thank all uh, of our audience for sending in questions. Promise we will get to more of them in our next episode where we'll preview uh, the Sixers first round matchup or an overview of their entire regular season. This one comes uh, on Instagram, which we're inside the green room on Instagram. This one comes from Lean Bulk Flex. His question, what's the best and worst thing about being an NBA player? Oh, that's a great question, man. It um, is. The best thing, there's not many worse things. Uh, the best thing is like Christmas every day. You get to play your favorite sport uh, for a job and obviously make tons of money to be able to support your family, friends, community, however you want to do it, um, whatever, however you choose. Uh, but you just do that as a job and you get to receive gifts every day. You get a lot of perks, you get a lot of free stuff. Uh, you get to travel and see the world and meet so many people from rap artists to presidents to mayors um uh, so many various names for various groups of important people because you can play you know basketball play a sport that you love um the worst part of it um is the stresses uh, a lot of those things at the same time where you have to juggle many plates where you have to be able, you're the head of the household you're the head of the team you have to make sure you're playing and you're competing against not just the other team you can be against players on your team coaching staff you have to win do well try to get another contract uh but also take care of everybody in your family so the things that are a blessing can sometimes be a stress and could be, you know, a, a hassle for most guys. Um, but I always like to think those are good problems, but you, you, it depends on who you're asking. Um, but this, there's not that many worst or worst things that I can think of when it comes to playing a, a basketball player. No, it's, or you, could talk, uh, it's, you could talk about the criticisms we get from you, the internet people, you know, that that's probably one of the worst things. The social media bullying maybe could be one of the worst things, but it's not that many bad things out there. For sure. Uh, Chris actually uh, talked about some of the kickback that you can get from fans. So mm -hmm. as I referenced it, you might as well go to it. We'll be right back with Inside the Green Room. 
What's up, what's up, everybody? We're back with more Inside the Green Room. My co-host, Harrison Sanford, and my guy, Chris Long. Pleasure to have you, man, on the show. I did yours a while back. Thank you for joining us. Um, are you going to pull up to Wells Fargo sometime this, this year or check out a game, or are you back? Oh, you didn't go back to California, but are you outside of town? Where are you at? These yeah, days? so so I'm in Virginia, um, and I would gladly take a trip up to Philly. Man, you know, like that building, there's a lot of energy in there. There was energy before I retired, and now it's got to be nuts. So, um I can't wait to get up there. Part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the show today is because I'm seeing a lot of similarities between your Super Bowl run with the Eagles and Danny's potential you know, NBA Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Championship run with the Philadelphia 76ers. Absolutely. I mean, like with that city um, and Danny's getting to, you know, like to, you know, he probably got to know it before, but this is like intense, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. the buzz, man, like. I can feel that buzz from a little ways away with basketball. You don't have to be in the city right now to know that people are freaking out about, you know, Embiid's MVP type year, you know, veteran leadership, that infusion of guys like DG and Dwight Howard, who everybody's like, oh, Dwight Howard, you, Dw Chris, you're the, you're the Dwight Howard, like you're the vet that came in and UNLG and those type of vets, like those were the, that's the infusion that like championship teams have. And like DG's been, on a ton of championship teams. And so like, I just feel like it's that unexpected underdog angle, um, relatively speaking, cause you guys are still super talented and in the mix. Like when we got into that year, we were like picked in the bottom quarter of the league. So like, you know, you guys have some talent and then like you got those vets that come in and they know how to win and they, they hit big shots and they play big minutes and they do the dirty work. And like, that was kind of what we had. We had an influx of like a guy like Patrick Robinson who catches the biggest interception in playoff Eagles playoff history, probably. Um, and you get LeGarrette Blunt, who's a workhorse out of the backfield. Guys like myself, Torrey Smith. Um, so I do see similarities. Inside the Green Room is on social media. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Inside Green Room and on Twitter at Green Room Inside. Now back to the show. What's up, what's up, everybody? We're back with more Inside the Green Room. My co-host, Harrison Sanford, and my guy, Chris Long. Pleasure to have you, man, on the show. I did yours a while back. Thank you for joining us. Um, are you going to pull up to Wells Fargo sometime this this year or check out a game, or are you back? Oh, you didn't go back to California, but are you outside of town? Where are you at these yeah, days? Yeah, so, so I'm in Virginia, um, and I would gladly take a trip up to Philly. Man, you know, like that building, there's a lot of energy in there. There was energy before I retired, and now it's got to be nuts. So, um I can't wait to get up there. Just let me know, man. We'll get you some tickets. It's not a big deal. It's not, it's not too hard right now. I just want to be out front. I want to be out front about this, DG. It's like the beginning of the podcast. I told you this offline. I was going to tell you who my favorite team was growing up. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, wanna... I feel like you have to just respect this and okay. like, listen, hopefully you guys don't play each other in the playoffs, but I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> You're a Knicks fan? Yes, bro. How, did, how does that happen? You grew up in California. You moved to yeah. Virginia, right? How yeah. does New York come into play? Okay, so... When I moved to Virginia and I was eight, I didn't really have a basketball team. Like when I was a kid, I used to go to Lakers games a little bit because my dad played for the Raiders, right? So mm -hmm. it was cool. Like he actually knew Magic and like, you know, a few of the guys on the team. So it was cool like to see some of the all-time greats. Like, hey, they know who my dad is. Like that was a cool little deal. But when I left, I, I didn't really have a favorite basketball team. When I got to Virginia, and you know this, orange and blue, Virginia Cavaliers. And at that time, uh, there was this basketball team called the New York Knicks, who was just 
they were just a bunch of bullies and they were badass and I loved them. I loved the whole group and I just kind of fell in love with the Knicks and I've suffered for a long time as have many people, but it's fun. It's good for basketball. They're competitive again. Oh, for sure, man. They're doing great this year. And Harrison, as he knows, he, he's been a Knicks fan, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of my friends are New Yorkers. A lot of them Knicks yeah. are here all the time. So, yeah, they know your pain that you've gone through those last Dude, I years. had to check out for a couple of years. I had to take a couple, like, a, a leave of absence as a fan. And they didn't – it's not like they noticed, but I just had to take a few. <laughs> uh, Danny, you are mistaken. I uh... – denounce my fandom after the Porzingis trade. I am just a fan oh. of good competition at this oh, point. You so made it all this go. way. You made yeah, it all I, this <laughs> way deal with all this bullshit. And it was, KP was gone. Trade. He said, all right, I'm off. <laughs> I, had, I had enough. I had enough for sure. Uh, but that, Chris, you did bring up a good point because it, we could end up seeing the Sixers playing a team from New York. It could actually be the Brooklyn Nets. And you know, part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the show today is because I'm seeing a lot of similarities between your Super Bowl run with the Eagles and Danny's potential you know, NBA Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Championship run with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the Nets and the Lakers are heavy favorites to, you know, to win the finals or win the championship. Going into that playoff run, especially with Nick Foles at quarterback, I, you guys, even though you were number one seed, you weren't the favorites. Uh, the Patriots were seen as like the elite team. And so... I'm seeing, uh, are you seeing those same similarities as well from the beginning of the season, kind of being an underdog and now yeah. being at this level where now more than likely the Sixers are going to be the number one seed and you guys ended up being the number one seed in the NFC as well. Absolutely. I mean, like with that city um, and Danny's going to, you know, like to, you know, he probably got to know it before, but this is like intense, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. the buzz, man, like. I can feel that buzz from a little ways away with basketball. You don't have to be in the city right now to know that people are freaking out about, you know, Embiid's MVP type year, you know, veteran leadership, that infusion of guys like DG and Dwight Howard, who everybody's like, oh, Dwight Howard, you, you, Chris, you're the, you're the Dwight Howard, like you're the vet that came in and UNLG and those type of vets, like those were the, that's the infusion that like championship teams have. And like DG's been, on a ton of championship teams and so like I just feel like it's that unexpected underdog angle um relatively speaking because you guys are still super talented and in the mix like when we got into that year we were like picked in the bottom quarter of the league so like you know you guys have some talent and then like you got those vets that come in and they know how to win and they they hit big shots and they play big minutes and they do the dirty work and like, that was kind of what we had. We had an influx of like a guy like Patrick Robinson who catches the biggest interception in playoff, Eagles playoff history, probably. Um, and you get LeGarrette Blunt, who's a workhorse out of the backfield. Guys like myself, Torrey Smith. Um, so I do see similarities. Danny, are you relishing under that? I remember when we were getting to talk at the beginning of the season, we looked at the Christmas day schedule, like Philly doesn't have a Christmas day game. And I remember, yeah. You know, even just even as the season started, there was no acclaim for the team, even though Joel's obviously a supremely talented player. Adding you and Dwight gave some championship value to the team. Doc Rivers, uh, did it catch mm -hmm. you off guard? And did you feel that you guys started to thrive under that underdog role? Yeah, man. I, I said I knew we had talent. Um, I just knew we needed a dis the discipline. Um, I knew it would take some time. I knew myself, Dwight, the veterans, and Doc had his work cut out for him to try to get these guys in that type of mode or in that type of atmosphere um, for it to happen 
as quickly as it did was surprising for sure. Um, yeah, we do have an underdog mentality. I think it's better for us to fly under the radar. Um, but now that, you know, coming toward the end of the season, uh, we've shown that we have the potential. And obviously the Philly fans, a lot of people get excited, people that are uh, Philly, I guess, fans that are not in Philly, uh, you know, excited about the run. And even where you go in restaurants and try to eat somewhere, you know, they're trying to pay for your meal or, you know, say, you know, take us home, you know, bring us, bring us home one, bring us a championship. Um, it's just everybody, you, you feel the energy within the city and everybody that's a Sixers fan throughout the country uh, excited about this year. And I think we have a, a really good opportunity uh, which I take advantage of it and hopefully is that stay disciplined and stay mature and, and hopefully do what we're supposed to do um, come playoff time. Can you take Danny through uh, what it meant to play in front of Philadelphia fans during the playoffs, the good, and maybe there was some bad. Can you give Danny maybe a, a primer for what he could expect? And, you know, like, as you mentioned earlier, we were kind of playing with house money a little bit in, in people outside the building's eyes, although still, um, a month after your MVP caliber quarterback goes down, like we win a couple games, they expect to see us winning again. Like, you know, they expect us to play like a number one seed, but there was definitely that kind of house money, uh, like kind of feeling. And that's great for a team, right? Like, so, especially in Philly where the expectations are big, but I, I just love what I love about Philly is, you know, that anybody like who's an Eagles fan or a Sixers fan, like they have battled it out for years. Like they've had their highs, they've had their great players, the storied moments, and they've been able to like be kind of hallmark type franchises without like winning so much that you got a bunch of front runners in the fan base. And I think that's a really cool zone to live in when you enter a city like that, that's doing big things in your sport. And especially when you come out of nowhere. So I think the expectations are tough, but golly, man, like um, I'd rather earn somebody's respect that it was tough to earn that respect than just get respect automatically because that's what we're after and like if you're respected in philly like you're untouchable dude like it's just the best place to be to be respected in the world in sports in my opinion and that's why like you know bringing home a championship you know like we're good there and that's a good feeling <laughs> sure man definitely i agree um, it is a tough place, very yeah. similar to, at, at, I, this is my first time here, being from New York, where they call it like the sixth borough. So the fans are very similar to New York fans and they'll check you, um, they'll boo you man, when you're not playing up to par. I think we had it the other night when we were playing New Orleans, uh, we were up pretty big. They came back and they took the lead. Uh, fans let us know, you know, you guys aren't doing your job. Uh, but I do remember being on the other side of it, playing against Philly, um, from an opposing team and how, you know, how electric that building was, how the atmosphere and how much they were behind them. So I know it's a very tough place to play. So I'm excited to play in that building on, obviously, on the right side. I'm going to say the right side, but <laughs> the Philly side of it. Um, the easier that side. <laughs> yeah, the easier side of it. Um, so we'll see how well they support us. But it, it is a tough fan base. Um, they are. They said you have to earn their respect, but you know, they, they're behind you every step of the way, and they, they make the building uh, electric instead of make it harder for the opposing teams to come in there and get any wins. So I'm excited about it. I'm glad that we have home court advantage as of right now. Hopefully we continue knock on wood to keep home court advantage. Um, but our fans are going to play a huge part for us uh, going into the playoffs. Take us down your memory lane of the parade. And do you yeah. get excited thinking about that? That could be a possibility if we <laughs> have one. And will you join us if we have one? Hell and yeah, tell, us about, <laughs> tell us about your favorite moment of that day. What sticks out the most for you from that day? Listen, first off, I've never turned down a parade. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, actually, I did once. I'm a big blues fan. And, they, and like, uh, one of my buddies was like, come up on the float with us or whatever. Like, 
Uh, and I was like, no, nah, I didn't, I didn't do shit. So I'm not going to get up there. I'll be in the, in, in the same thing. Like, Hey, if the Sixers win, I bet you there'll be a bunch of dudes that play for the Eagles that are just out there in the crowd. Like me, you know, lying in broad street or wherever, just because it's funny. Like we were on it on one side of things. Um, and as fun as it is, and as immortal as you feel, it's the best part of winning a championship, right? It's like one of them, at least, um, in football, to me, it's the best. I always wanted to be on the other side of it too. You know, like to like when you see people just having so much fun down there and like they've been up since three in the morning, you know, partying and waiting for that one couple buses to to roll by, right? And then their day is pretty much over as it pertains to the parade, but they're having the best day ever. And a lot of those people um, that line those streets had been waiting 50 years. So for me, it sends chills down my spine just to think about it. Um, you know, like what we did really set in that day. It really Ooh. did. It was like, it was like everything um, came to fruition for us. And, and that realization right there that like, we're good here. They could win another 10, but we're, we're, we're number one, dude. Like we're the first yeah. and, they, and they might have other parades here, but it'll never be like this one. So it would be really cool to be on the other side of it too. So if y'all win, I'm going to round out about five, 10 of us and we'll be out there in the, in the streets watching you guys. That would be amazing, man. I never even thought of it from that point of view um, of being like in the crowd. I honestly would love to see how that, that perspective, how that would be as well. Um, probably so, it'd probably be pretty blurry just like it was on the floats. For sure. For sure. But was there anything particular from that day when you guys had your parade that sticks out the most? Because uh, I've had a couple. I've been lucky. I've had two. Um, one was on the Riverwalk. I had one in Toronto. It took, you know, five, six hours, which was four hours longer than it should have. Um, we didn't get a chance to do one in L.A., but I have a couple of memories, a couple of moments of certain teammates that I remember vividly that stuck out. Do you have any stories or anyone that sticks out the most? Yeah, I mean, like, and it was funny, I'm thinking about a parallel here, like you won your championship somewhere that and you were a big part of it. But like, they were getting used to like, this is what we do. They and when it comes to parade, like they got that shit down right down in, <laughs> at the Riverwalk, like they do yeah. that. And so like, that was it for in New England, for me, it was like a well oiled machine. And then the next year, I got to enjoy Philly, which, you know, I could imagine Toronto, it looked incredible, like you guys were your gods up there. And so like just the, the juxtaposition of having like a, we've done this before and we've never done this. That's a really cool thing. And then you could get another taste of that. But I just think about like mostly the George Clooney uh, tequila that I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, for me, it was the fact that like, OK, if you followed that parade and what, you know, like. I wasn't I wasn't one of the very best players on the team, but it was fun because I was like, uh yeah, I was one of the dogs and I was a, I was a vet and, and I made big plays for us when, so I felt good about like, I was a big part of it. And so I also like to have fun. Um, and I like to dress up and do stupid shit. So I, I wanted <laughs> to put a fur coat on, like it's fake fur for anybody <laughs> out there. Um, so, you know, I, I went down to Mitchell and Ness bought like dudes, like we bought like a hundred jerseys. So shout out to those guys down in Philly and Fletch got his Reggie White. And like, I was just throwing him out in the locker room and I had my, uh, my, my, uh, my fur coat that came in the night before from a costume shop in LA. And then the coolest part was my AI Jersey. So like my best buddy, uh, Marcus Hagens grew up down there, um, near, near, um, near Chuck and they're tight. And so Chuck, like, Chuck sent me a jersey that night and some some shoes and everything. So like AI had a jersey delivered 
Uh, I got the fur coat in the night before. And just like, I'll always remember, like, you know, before Christmas, you can't sleep when you're a kid. It was the same thing before the parade. And what made matters worse is I was living in Fair Fairmount, which I love Fairmount, but uh, it was like three in the morning, I could hear E-A-G-L-E. And you know, I was waking up and I was saying, damn, I felt like I only slept two hours. It must be 6 a.m. It must be 6 a.m. I kept checking my phone, 1.47 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> they did not sleep. I have no idea how they did it, but just like waking up and you know, the first drink when you, when you drink in the morning, <laughs> it was the best drink I've ever had. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Danny, I wish uh, I could have been you, there. I have to get a yeah. fur coat now. I have to get yeah. a fur coat. There's no, no doubt it's about fake. it. It's fake, coat. though. And it's <laughs> in the closet in there. Hey, Danny, you, you did it. If you get a fake, Danny, not only do you have to get a fake coat, but you got to get maybe like a Dr. J jersey. You got to get oh, a sure. jersey from, yeah. got to get a Dr. J jersey since he's been on the show. You got to get a Chris Long jersey. For sure. Maybe hey, for the hockey fans, you got to get an Eric Lindros jersey or something yeah. like that. Don't worry about my jersey. I don't belong in that company, but let me tell you what, if, if y'all win at all, I don't care who the fuck it is. You throw a fur coat on one of those one of the motherfuckers on the team. I don't care. For sure. Somebody wear one. You could be the 12th dude on the bench. Oh, we're going to get a bunch of them. We're going to get a bunch of them. I got to get the fur coat. I love that idea. Yeah. There we go. There we Not go. Not so much we'll in be... the summer. Yeah, it's a little different in the summertime. For sure. Yeah, fur, yeah furs in uh, late July would, would yeah. be something else. But hey, it's a tradition. Hopefully, we can, hopefully yeah. maybe Danny can keep it going. Yeah. Got to. So going back to that 2017 season, Chris, uh, you donated your base salary uh, to charitable donations and some of them being in cities that you played in, St. Louis, or, or from at least that you played in, St. Louis, Boston, Philadelphia, and obviously uh, gave some money back to uh, Charlottesville. At that time, uh, Barack Obama was quoted as saying is what you were doing was, quote unquote, what's right in America. Uh, how did you feel to get that uh, that acknowledgement from Barack at that time? And, and what did it mean to you to just do the have those charitable donations in general and give up your base salary to do such? Man, I've walked off a lot of football fields to check my mentions. <laughs> but that day was was interesting. Like I got to my locker and I think Michael Bennett was like, fucking president. just <laughs> uh, And I was like, like president or what like <laughs> um so so I, I checked it and I was just really um I was really honored I mean like when you do something good you know I hope people would know my heart and anybody that played with me um would know the type of guy I am like I just I want to walk the walk and I also don't want to do it for the credit and we struggled I struggled to find my way as far as like how to be charitable um, early in my career and try to keep too much stuff under wraps and what I was losing in my quest to like be humble about giving you know uh, which was stupid was fan engagement and like your biggest tool your biggest asset is the people who watch you play and support you and buy tickets and you know we do clean water uh, implementation work in East Africa through water boys Philly fans, to no fault of their own, have no idea that, that water scarcity is as big an issue, um, maybe. You know, you live in the United States, and for the most part, you turn on a faucet and clean water comes out for the most part. Um, but these are problems that we need to solve as people. And, and I think, like, 
I was stupid not to use the fans earlier in my career. But towards the end of my career, I realized when I started a foundation, if I want to get things done, I want I, I need them behind me. And so when I got to Philly, there was just so much stuff going on. Um, I mean, I can remember listening to that last sad excuse for a leader um, in, yeah, in after the events of August 12th in Charlottesville, which is my hometown. Not that it matters, it's my hometown. I mean, before it was my hometown, it was somebody else's, and before that, somebody else's and somebody else's. So I feel selfish even even saying like I like it pissed me off more. But you're naturally going to be. And I just remember sitting in the parking lot that day and being so, so mad, dude. And I was mad because like you know, I'm a, I'm an American, and this is not you know we know we've never gotten it right, but we at least are hoping we can get it right. And I just was like, I've never felt like worse about a being from Charlottesville, b being a, a white dude, like, uh, you know, um, and seeing my my teammates really hurting over what was going on. And c, um, you know, just if I if I don't take action, that kind of goes against my code of who I am. And so I said, how can I get involved in the conversations that I've been in the middle of with action? And I've been in the middle of conversations with, you know, cap and kneeling. And I've been in the conversations about like, well, I want to fix, you know, do my part in fixing the country. And I hadn't really done anything other than use my voice. So we shifted focus from clean water a little bit and we worked in education. Now I've always you know, I've always given back to Boys and Girls Club. We've given back to after school programs, but we wanted to do a fan interactive campaign. And so I decided the best way to do that was to donate my salary. Shit, I wasn't making what I was making in St. Louis. In St. Louis, I was making 10 a year. You know, I was one of the best rushers in the league. Not so anymore in Philly. I was, I'm a vet. I'm on the back end. So I was there on a bargain. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I was real generous. But what I did do was I took advantage of my platform. And I gave my base salary, which I'm not downplaying, didn't change my life, um, but I wanted it to change some other people's lives. And I also wanted to put some action behind uh, the words. And so we donated to a bunch of educational equity, um, you know, programs from Summer Search in Philly and Boston to Little Bit Foundation in St. Louis, where I played, to scholarships in my hometown. And people responded. And that gave me a lot of hope that year because it was a dark time. And it's still, there's still a lot of darkness, but just knowing that there were a lot of people that, you know, picked up the torch and doubled our investment in educational equity that year, that restored my faith and kind of, we got a shot, you know, there's a lot of great people out there and a lot of great fans. I know there's so much warranted negativity, but that energized me. And so I love giving back to the educational stuff because I was, I wasn't a dumb kid. I was a smart kid, but I was scared of school. You know, I was a C student. I get make, you know, I was slower than the other kids as far as like learning and picking things up. And I went to a good private school and I had all the resources, but I still sucked. And my thing is like, I can't imagine how hard it would be if I didn't have those resources. So I said the quickest way that we can fix or I can do my part would be through educational equity. That's dope, man. That's amazing. Um, we need more guys like you in that position. Uh, lucky enough that we've been an opportunity, been blessed. I was lucky enough to be taught that or put in that position at an early age from my high school to college, Coach Williams, Tyler Hogan, working with Special Olympics, Boys and Girls Club in high school, San Antonio Pop was big on it. So uh, I, I was pretty much 
I guess, raised into learning how to give back to the community. Um, but it's dope that you use your platform that way. You use your your salary um, to me, and that you're said aware and spreading awareness of what's going on in, in the, not just your hometown, but in the world, in America, um, and trying to make change. Man, we need more of that. Um, I said a lot of us, we do it. We don't do it for the credit. We're doing it to to you know give back and uh, to walk the walk and to make change in our hometowns first, but also around the world to make it a better place, not just for us, but for our kids and, and those that come after us. Uh, so it's dope to see that, man. And said so it's, it's, it's an honor well, to know you. Thanks, you know man. It's, it's, it's your the, friend. It ain't just the money, though, but like you said, it's educating people. So I think the biggest part for me was like, my million dollars is not going to change the world. Like, really, it's going to change some people's lives, but it's not going to like, the thing is that me, white dude, marketable, Walter Payton, man of the year, whatever you want to call me. I still think I'm kind of a shithead, but, <laughs> but like, you know, a guy that people like me are going to listen to, or like, if the announcers have to talk about well, Chris Long donated his whole salary, well, then what they got to talk, they got to tell you what we're donating my salary to, and you have to spotlight that and you have to discuss that. And oh, yeah, that's the guy that talks to who's behind the guys who are kneeling, you know, or here, here's a guy that put his hand on Malcolm Jenkins shoulder. Oh, so maybe that like, and it shouldn't be this way, but maybe you listen to me and, you know, like we're working with what we're working with, you know, so uh, you'll take the wins any way you can get them. And if I can be a conduit, great. It's amazing, man. So we need more guys like you that educating themselves of, of what the needs to happen, what needs to change. I mean, using their intelligence, their IQ, not just for football, but things that's going on in the world that can change our world for the better. And we're back more inside the green room. Chris, you've been amazing, man. Awesome guest. But before we go, uh, I want to ask you one or two more questions. But before we can get to those questions, I have a little bone to pick with you, man. Um, <laughs> the Green Light Podcast, where did that come from, man? I feel like that might have been one of the things I had on the, I had on the list to use, but I don't think we could use it. And we didn't Bro. know who took it or not. But how, how did that come about? You know what, man? I always respected you from a distance, and I you had a <laughs> podcast that used to be called something different. So I was like, well, let me make sure. Okay, we're good. We're in the clear. But honestly, dude, like for me, I didn't want I didn't want my podcast to be like my name, like fourth and long or something. Like I just feel like when you hear that, you're like, okay, this guy's just gonna talk about football, and like it's just gonna be kind of a meathead thing. And and I love talking about everything, dude. Like we talk about everything under the sun and for the most part we'll go pretty much anywhere and so for me you know green light my favorite color look at the walls in my room good color, <laughs> my man. truck's good green color. my podcast is called the they, green light pod they say geniuses pick green so i don't i don't know there you we go, dude. something there, there we <laughs> what? Go. what don't you make that face i've heard that what you know why harrison does not know this because harrison is not a genius he doesn't watch that too but he does not watch movies if you what movie said this what is this? Um, I'm meet, forgetting. Meet the, meet the parents. Oh, meet the parents. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, now, so now we're taking, so now we're taking all Panama of our Red. advice from meet the parents. Is that is that Robert that's De Niro? Who doesn't now? listen to Robert De Niro? Robert De Niro. Oh, such a genius hey, himself. Just, 
just rewatched that the other night. It's just as funny as it was the first time, which is rare for a movie. Maybe I have to rewatch rewatch that movie. But before we go, uh, Chris, you alluded to it. You don't always talk about football, but we got you here. So we might as well talk about football just a little bit, tad bit. Uh, so Doug Peterson is going as the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Nick Sirianni is in. Uh, Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback. Carson Wentz is with the Indianapolis Colts. They drafted Devontae Smith, who was actually uh, at Danny's most one of his most recent games. What do you have? Uh, them doing here in the NFC East and next season uh, with the Eagle, with the Cowboys getting back Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley going back to the Giants, and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick being the quarterback now for the Washington football team. Where do you think they shake out? Well, it's not like things are getting easier in the NFC East. They can only get go one way. I mean, last year it was pretty, it was it was it was ugly. Like okay, but I was in the NFC West one year, and and a team with seven wins went to the playoffs. So uh, you know, takes takes a pretty shitty division to impress me. I, I guess like when it comes to the Eagles, you look at Washington, they have really um, kind of pulled together a nice core of young players, offensively, defensively, McLaurin, um, you know, guys like that, pass catchers. And I think Fitzy and also the back that they got from Memphis uh, a year ago, Gibson is a total stud. And, you know, Scott Turner is doing a great job of using those guys. Fitzy gives you a really high ceiling relative to a guy that, you know, isn't a, a long-term star starter on one franchise, is usually a bridge. The defense is tremendous. I really like that front. They work together. That's going to be tough. Uh, the Giants, a lot of skill guys. And as you mentioned, Dak Prescott's going to be back. So the division is going to get tougher. And I don't know if the Eagles are necessarily going to get a lot better, but I do think they're going to build. And, you know, what you've done by not taking a quarterback this year is you have put all your eggs in the Jalen Hurts uh, basket. Um, you had a chance at six to stay there, snag somebody, trade up. You didn't. You invested in Jalen Hurts, and you especially invested in him because next year, name me a couple elite quarterbacks coming out in that draft. We don't know a lot of them. Rattler, the kid at OU, um, maybe the kid at UNC, your guy, who I really like down there, Sam Howell. Um, but overall, dude, they kind of put all their eggs in Jalen's basket. So Jalen's got to have a good year. Devontae Smith, love him. Had him on the pod last week. Great kid. He's a great player. I think it'll translate. And you take pressure off Jalen Rager. I worry about the defense a little bit, second level. Um, they've never had great linebackers. They're reshuffling some people in the back end. The front's always good. I think they're an eight-win team, nine-win team, depending on how things shake out. 17 games this year, so could be up at 10 if they have uh, you know, a higher ceiling than I think. Competitive. It's a building year. Yeah, no, I, I'm very much looking forward to uh, what can happen with them. As you've been on the show with, that I do with Aqib uh, Tlaib, and he's very excited about them. Danny, uh, we're hoping that after you potentially win an NBA Finals, you know, you got a little bit of off time. You can just make the walk right across the street. Check, go to Lincoln Financial Field. It's right there. That whole sector right there is a lot of fun, especially when teams are winning. And we hope that's what happens uh, for all Philadelphia teams and the Sixers right now as they get ready for the playoffs. Chris, uh, this was great. Uh, guys, subscribe, rate, review, leave leave a little, nice little note for Chris. If you yeah. enjoyed this, you'll you'll definitely enjoy the green light. Uh, Danny, any last words? Nope. Read, rate, subscribe, review. Chris, man, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you much. Hopefully we can have that parade, and then hopefully I'll catch a one of the Dude, as well. I'll see you at a game, dude. Good luck, and, uh, and, and stay healthy, bro. Thank you, man. Appreciate you.